Thank you, Pam. Open your Bibles with me to Psalm 8, the 8th Psalm. As has been said, we do set aside as a nation this particular week and Thursday especially to have a thankful heart. And one of the things that I have noticed, especially with all the ads coming up for the holiday season, that really, in many cases, any kind of Christian reference is removed from the culture. You know, that you have holiday gifts. No, they're Christmas gifts, right? And as far as Thanksgiving, the idea of, of being thankful it's not that I thank Laura for making a nice meal. To, now, shouldn't I do that anyway? That's not what this is about. It's about giving thanks to our Creator for the bounty that He has, that He's bestowed on us. This world that He created, He created it in a way that we have provision to live. That's the that's what Thanksgiving is about, and so I want to. I had I had begun to make a list of things that I was thankful for, and sometimes I do that message. You know, today I am thankful, but today I wanted to focus on on this text. So let's read it together. Look at Psalm eight, and we're going to read the whole psalm. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is Thy name in all the earth! Who has set Who has set Thy glory? Above the heavens, out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies. Thou art mightiest still. I'm sorry. Let me read that verse again. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings, hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies. That thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. When I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained, What is man that thou art mindful of him, or the son of man that thou visitest him? For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas." O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Lord, you are excellent. So, Father, as we focus on you and what you've done for us here for a few minutes, Lord, I pray that our our hearts and minds are lifted to you. In Jesus' name, amen. We looked in the Sunday school hour at the book of Titus, and it says, The grace of God hath appeared to all men, teaching us, that the grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live righteously, soberly, and godly in this present world. The grace of God teaches us something. And in this text, what we are looking at is the great God that we are to worship. And the idea that, that what I want us to do today Let's elevate our thinking. Now, I'm looking forward to turkey. So, I don't eat carbs. I'm going to eat pumpkin pie. I'm going to eat mashed potatoes. I'm going to go into a diabetic coma, and Laura can drive home from Oklahoma, okay? I am really excited about the food. I'm excited about the family. I'm excited about the Bears losing on Thursday. We get to watch that. I don't know. They're playing the Lions, so maybe they'll win. Uh, 
maybe me and Brian will cry on each other's shoulders later on if it doesn't work out. And all of those traditions, one of the things, I've got a nephew that wants me to go fishing with him on Tuesday. I don't want to. But the things you do for family, right? How many of you, you're already thinking this week about all the plans and all the things? You ladies preparing the meals and the shopping and worrying about, you know, is there actually pumpkin this year? You know, all those things that people think about. What I want us to do today is elevate our thinking. I want us to look up and to to focus, to concentrate on our great creator. And we can do that in this text. The first thing that I want you to see is, O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. So do you notice the difference in the letters between the first Lord and the second Lord? Do you see that? Well, that, that first Lord, when those letters are that way, that's the name Jehovah. And this is the name for God that's above all others. This is the God that we worship. This is the great God that created everything. But here's the most wonderful part from our perspective. Look at what it says. Oh, Lord, what's that next word? Let's try that again. What is that? Is he your Lord? The Bible says, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Is he your Lord? Is he your king? Is he your sovereign? Is he the one that you acknowledge as your creator and the one that has divine prerogative over all of your life? That's the God that we're worshiping. And what's fun about this psalm is this psalm is not addressed to us. This psalm is not addressed to Israel. And remember, that's one of our principles. Whose mail am I reading? This psalm is addressed to God because the only one who can understand the glory and greatness and the excellence of God is God himself. Because any time we try to describe God, we diminish him because he's indescribable. That's our God. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Now, how's that for a question? So this is, a, it's an exclamatory statement. You see the, ex, the exclamation point at the end. It's, a, it's an exaltation. God, your name is great! And we say that, don't we? But how does the world look at God right now? They ignore him. We've just come through a situation where we have the, the, the majority of the media trying to say that you are not allowed to defend yourself, that you have a right or you have a responsibility to die. You have a responsibility to take a beating. You have a responsibility not to stand up. What is that? That's a diminishing of human life and human worth. That's what that is. That's not what God says. And we're going to see that in... You might be thinking, Pastor, how do you end up at the Rittenhouse trial in a message about how great God is? Just wait. It's here. And I didn't make it up this time. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Who has set thy glory above the heavens. You know, it's almost like people worship heaven. When it's going to go away. The, the Bible talks about in Revelation 20 that, that you can see the Lamb seated on the throne from whose face the heavens and the earth fled away and there's found no place for them. We wonder sometimes. The Bible says that the elements are going to melt with a fervent heat and everything that exists is going to be destroyed. How does that happen? Jesus Christ reveals his face and his glory. 
His righteousness burns away everything that is not righteous. That's the God who has exalted his glory above the heavens. We don't worship heaven. We worship the God of heaven. He's exalted his name. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Look at verse 2. Out of the mouth of babes and sucklings hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. You know, it's interesting. Children, they can either be supremely selfish or they can reveal God to us. It is so interesting. Um, you know, you always have to teach a child how to share in those things. Uh, I, I read a, a story about a, a teacher who wanted all of their students to write something down that they were thankful for. So she's walking up and down the aisle watching the kids write, and she noticed one little boy. He wrote, he wrote glasses. He was thankful for his glasses. And she thought that was so sweet. And so she, the teacher said, well, why did you write glasses? She said, well... I'm thankful for them because they keep the boys from punching me and they keep the girls from kissing me. I think that's hilarious. But children also reveal God to us. When you look at the face of a newborn baby and you say that this just happened by mistake, that there's no purpose, no, no. And all through, uh, when, when, when our son Riley died, we have a niece, uh, Sarah, and she would say to Laura, where's your baby? Where's your baby? Because she had no concept of an end. Children, they believe in God. They believe in eternity. The best time to bring a, to bring a person to Jesus Christ is when they're a child. Because Jesus said, unless you come to me as one of these little ones, you can't enter the kingdom of God. And it's a simple childlike faith and out of the mouths of babes and sucklings. And all through history, we have children giving testimony to the truth of who Jesus Christ is. Out of the mouths of babes and sucklings, hast thou ordained strength because of thine enemies, that thou mightest still the enemy and the avenger. Do you guys like revenge movies? Those are my favorite. I, I love watching somebody get back at somebody else. Now, how many of you think that's a spiritual gift? No, because God is the avenger. God is the avenger. Now, he's not, I don't know, is Superman an avenger? Wrong one. I don't know. He's not that. And isn't it interesting how all of these superhero things, they're always trying to attain to some type of deity. They're always trying to appeal to some type of deity. And there's only one God. Only one. And that's the God that we worship. And I, I like that in it's Exodus chapter 14, I believe, where it says, be still and let God fight for you. He's the avenger. He's the avenger. Verse 3, when I consider thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast ordained. You know, we now have the opportunity to see things that no one else in history has ever been able to see. We have, you know, these 4K televisions, and you can watch these HD uh, images of, of outer space and of, you know, a, a drone flying through the Alps. And we can see these fabulous, unbelievable images. And the thing about every bit of that, God created that with his fingers. It, it, it was not effort. 
It was not difficult. God spoke it into existence out of nothing, as it says in the book of Hebrews. And that that makes us ask this question, verse 4. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Why would God even think about us? And of course, that was the deist position, right? That God created the world and then stepped back and let it go. He wasn't interested in what was going on. Why is God interested in us? And that's the question. What is man that thou art mindful of him? Or the son of man that thou visitest him? Now, we understand now what it means about God visiting us. Initially, Jesus Christ would come and he would walk with Adam and Eve in the garden in the cool of the day. That was the voice of God and Jesus is the word. So we know that that was Jesus. And he would go and visit with them. But after the fall, he would come and make appearances. They're called Christophanies or Theophanies where he'd make an appearance in the, in the Old Testament. But then what we celebrate at Christmas time is when Jesus Christ came into the world and was born of a virgin. And that's what it meant for God to visit us. He not only visited us, he became one of us without sin. What an amazing thing. And so notice what it says. What is man that thou art mindful of him and the son of man that thou visitest him? Verse 5, look at how man is described. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels and hast crowned him with glory and honor. You said, Pastor, how do you get the Rittenhouse Rittenhouse trial out of this? This globalist system wants to make man into chattel, just just serfs, just plebeians that, that they really don't have a reason for existence, and that, that, that government must be the only uh, organization, must be the only uh, uh, instrument of punishment and of vengeance and of power, and of the ability to save and take life. Folks, we don't trust government that much. We do not trust government. And God gave each individual, God gave each individual glory and honor, and set us above the animals, and gave us dominion over the beasts of the field, and over the fowl of the air, and over the fish of the sea. And I guess I have to demonstrate that on Tuesday. But we live in a world that doesn't believe that. You see, man is not like the other created beings. Man is not like an angel. Why is, why is man set a little lower than the angels? Why does the Bible say that? Well, because angels, they're eternal. Man has a, has a, a, a period of time that he will live. And ultimately, what's going to happen? We're going to go into eternity, and now we're, then we're going to judge angels, and we will be in a superior place. Even right now, the Bible says we teach angels. The Bible says we will judge angels. But right now, we were created and made a little lower than the angels. That's what the Bible says. But God created us with a certain dignity. And how did he demonstrate that he has given us that dignity? He died for us. He died for us. And this is vital. Jesus Christ did not die for a nation. Jesus did not die for a race. Jesus did not die for a particular gender. 
Jesus died for every man. As a matter of fact, he tasted death for every man, the Bible says. The Bible says, and he is the propitiation. That's the satisfactory payment. Not for our sins only, but for the sins of the whole world and every individual in it. But people don't get saved as groups. We are saved as individuals. And so that whole concept of God investing dignity in the individual. The Bible says, for as by one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. And so death passed upon all men for that all have sinned. And because we are all sinners based on the the sin of our federal head, Adam, now we are individually responsible for our sin. And that means there has to be an individual payment an individual belief, an individual receiving. And then, for us, how many of you are born again? You know Jesus Christ is your Savior. You're sure of that? An individual worship. See, I have two children, Jacob back there, Lydia over here, and they are completely different. They're completely different. And I I get something different from my relationship with Lydia than I do from Jacob. I get joy from Lydia. (laughs) The way that God... (laughs) Jacob's back there going. (laughs) How many of you know exactly, not about my kids, but about your own? You know exactly what I'm talking about. The joy that we get from from the individuality of our children. The joy that we get from that. Just think about how much more joy God gets from his individual creations giving him the glory that's due his name. See, at Thanksgiving time, I will be very very thankful for the food. I'll be very thankful for the warmth of the home. I'll be thankful for the family gathered around. I'll be thankful for a nice truck to drive to Oklahoma in. I'm thankful for those things. I'll be thankful for the, for the story that I get to listen to on the way there. There used to be books on tape. Now there are books on bits or whatever it is. I'm thankful for all that. To who? To who? You understand there are a lot of people that are going to be thankful this week because of what they've done. They're, they're thanking themselves. I did this. You know, the Frank Sinatra. I did it my way. Ah. If you did it your way, then you're only going one way. Folks, we have to understand that we have a great creator. And the desire of this text and the desire of the scripture is that God receives the glory that's due his name. And of course, the the Bible says all the holy prophets prophesied about that day. There is a day coming when Jesus Christ is going to return to this earth in, in, in his glorious appearing, and he will sit on the throne in Jerusalem and receive the glory that's due his name. That is coming, amen? That is coming, and we look forward to that. But why should God have to wait to receive glory from us? Those who have called on his name, who have acknowledged him as Lord. Look at the passage. Verse 6, Thou thou madest him to have dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet, all sheep and oxen, yea, and the beasts of the field, the fowl of the air, and the fish of the sea, and whatsoever passeth through the paths of the seas. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. It's a sad thing that his name is not excellent in all the earth right now. 
His name is forgotten in most of the earth. Let's make sure his name is not forgotten in our homes, in our lives. How will his name be remembered in our nation? His name will be remembered in our, in our nation as our nation's citizens acknowledge him as their Lord and their God. Our government is not our God. Our economy is not our God. Our weapons are not our God. God is our God. Amen? So this morning, just one thought. Oh, Lord. What's the next word? Our Lord. How excellent is thy name in all the earth. What's interesting about that is his name is excellent in all the earth, just people don't know it. So what do we do about that? Well, we glorify his name and then we tell other people about it. The biggest, most important thing in this room today is your individual acknowledgement of Christ as Lord. See, if you have in your mind that you're going to worship him and come to him through your works and his word, you can't get to him. Look at Genesis. Go all the way back to Genesis. and Look at Genesis chapter 5. Oh, it's Genesis chapter 4, I'm sorry. Verse 1. And Adam knew his and Adam knew Eve his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain, and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. And she again bare his brother Abel, and Abel was a keeper of sheep, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. And in the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought of the fruit of the ground an offering unto the Lord. And Abel, he also brought of the firstlings of his flock and of the fat thereof. And the Lord had respect unto Abel and to his offering. But unto Cain and his offering, he had not respect. So, Cain is a farmer. Abel is a shepherd. Abel brings a lamb. The, the, the firstling, he brings a lamb and offers that to God. And Cain brought the fruit of his labor. What's the difference? You can grow vegetables, you can't create a lamb. Right? And why was the lamb important? Because Jesus Christ is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. All the way back in Genesis chapter 4, this is pointing to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And all the way back in Genesis chapter 4, you had people trying to do it their own way. And God says no. God says no. And look at what it says in verse 5. But unto Cain and to his offering he had not respect. That's God. And Cain was very wroth and his countenance fell. And the Lord said unto Cain, Why art thou wroth, and why is thy countenance fallen? Look at, If thou doest well, shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. It came to pass when they were in the field, and Cain rose up against his brother, against Abel, his brother, and slew him. And it's so interesting. Here's what we say. I'm not a murderer. 
I'm not a murderer. Might as well be. There's only one way to come to God, and that's the way that God says to come. The only way you can get to God is through the blood of Jesus Christ. That's it. The only way to God the Father is through the blood of Jesus Christ. If you bring him the fruit of your labor, if you bring him your church membership, if you bring him your baptism, if you bring him the money you give to the church, if you bring to him your communion, if you bring to him anything that you say that you have to add to grace and faith, you add anything to that, what are you doing? You're repeating the sin of Cain. And so that's why the Bible in Revelation 21.8 says, But the fearful and unbelieving and murderers and idolaters and sorcerers and whoremongers and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Why do you die? Why, why do you go to hell? Because you won't believe. You won't believe. You won't say, Jesus, you're enough. You're enough. I've, I've, I've been told all kinds of other things, but I want to exalt my church. I, I want to exalt my religion. I, I want to exalt my works as high as your name, and there's none other name given among men whereby we must be saved. It's only through Jesus. That's it. That's it. The only way we have access. Jesus said it very clearly in John 14, 6. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. That is it. It's the only way. And listen, folks, we can't exalt God by exalting our works along with his sacrifice. Amen? We can't do that. So let's read this. Let's go back to Psalm 8. Let's look at verse 9. Let's all stand and let's read this out loud together. Psalm 8 and verse 9. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Let's say it again and let's say it with zeal. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. I hope today will be the day of your salvation. And for the rest of us, let's lift our, our eyes. Let's lift our minds. Let's lift our hearts beyond the mundane. The mundane, that's the earthly. And let's, let's lift our heads for our redemption draweth nigh. Amen? Amen. Let's sing a verse of invitation together.